This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 9th, episode 2826. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. What is your favorite day of the week? You never stop learning. You never stop understanding. It's more in depth than just riding a horse knowing that for the rest of my life I could work on this and, and I'll never stop learning. And welcome back to the Mary Kitzmiller monthly training episode where we get to geek out on all things horse training. How you doing, Mary? I'm not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. I'm Kind of hoping for colder weather because... Wait, 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 wait. What horse person in their right mind says they're hoping for colder weather? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so done with the humidity and the bugs. And, of course, I live in Texas, so I should expect this. But I I like my Christmas to be Christmassy. And it it feels like rainforest right now. Um, and, And I love... My favorite kind of weather is... Like where it's really crisp out and you start out being cold, but then you ride your horse around and, you know, then you get warm, right? It's, it's the best. I then you have it. to shed the layers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you end up with jackets and gloves and, and stuff laying all over the county. Yes. Yes. Because you leave them in the car and you leave them in the barn and you leave them at your friend's house and you left one at the restaurant last Friday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and all the jackets I pulled out from my closet last year, they all have horse treats in the pocket. So, yeah. See, that's a good reason to not use the nice, yummy, dis- delicious, sticky molasses ones. Exactly. Yeah. Because that would be, <laughs> be a little gross. Because they're science experiments by the, ni- the time next season rolls around. Ooh, yeah. No fun. <laughs> what? Speaking of which, what's your favorite horse treat? in your little training life, because you, um, you, you take advantage of using positive reinforcement that involves a food reward in some of your training. What is your favorite treat? So good question. Um, well, the treats that I typically use with my horses are what I would consider low value treats. And that doesn't mean like it's cheap or it's not a good treat. It's the kind of treat that my horse is like, oh man, this is really good. I like this and I want to do more things so that I can get more treats. Um, but they don't lose their ever loving mind over it because when you have a horse that's trained with positive reinforcement and he knows that I do X, Y, Z, I get treats. If you break out, like, like we were just talking the big $8 sticky molasses treat that's got oats and peppermint sticking out of it. Um, they tend to like throw all the behaviors at once and (laughs) they're like, Oh my God. Do you want, do you want to see me lay down? How about if I do my Spanish walk or how, how about if I do this? How about if I side pass like 40 miles an hour? 
And so I do like those. Those are great for your big ticket behaviors, the things that might be really difficult for your horse to perform or a new behavior. Um, but for just every day, I like, you know, kind of the drier and smaller um, because if you give your horse a, a treat the size of a golf ball while you're training, then you got to sit there and wait for him to chew it for 15 minutes. Um, so a, a lot of times, especially with Remy, who I think he would eat cardboard. He's just... Now, Remy, know, he's Remy's one of your Mustangs, right? Yes. He's my beloved little fluffy Mustang. And he, he would, you know, he thinks all treats are the best thing in the whole world. So I use uh, Timothy grass pellets with him as my treats. Um, Interesting. And I feed like just a minuscule amount at a time. Um, and I can buy a 50-pound bag of them for not that much money. Um, and if I give him, you know, six pounds of Timothy grass pellets in training, I don't need to worry about, oh, I've overdone it. <laughs> yes, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So those, those actually tend to be my favorite and they're not even really treats, but yeah, every once in a while I'll have like Winnie's cookies or there's one brand at TSC. I want to say it's called stud muffins and it is like, I think Remy would commit a murder for me. Yeah, they're the if, gooey ones. I stud muffins. Yeah. 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 But they're very expensive. They don't, you know, it's those treats. You don't want to like leave an open bag anywhere. Um, <laughs> Dogs like them the, too. Yeah. yeah. Greyhounds do like stud muffins. We've found that out. Yeah. yeah. So I do keep <laughs> a few of those on hand, like, uh, you know, for, for the big behaviors. Yes, the big behavior. I get it. Cool. So one of the things that we wanted to chat about today, because if you're not a regular listener, Mary and I get to geek out on training and we geek out on training later in the show. We answer listener questions and we're going to do that a little bit later. And we're going to have a little interlude today and enjoy some fun and games from one of our previous Radiothon hours. So stay tuned for that too. But we always start things out with what Mary has been up to and her training tip, which is always inspired by something crazy, bizarre, or funny. So we're going to start out, I'm looking at my notes here, and there's something that says chicken story. Yes, yes. It's What's an that? infamous story at my ranch. And I'm really surprised I haven't told this before. Um, and this dates back to when I first moved out to this ranch. And it ha so it happened about 10 or 11 years ago. And um, it does, it, it involves chickens and horse showing. Um, so when I first moved out here, um, my parents had bought this ranch in East Texas on the outskirts of charming Gun Barrel City, Texas. Which, Gun Barrel which, City, oh my God! It, yeah, it does have a very special kind of charm, this place. The stories. I could do a podcast just on the the, the going stories on. from Gunmetal Texas, Gun Barrels. Gun. Oh my gosh! Stories from Gun Barrel. <gasps> what an amazing name for a podcast! Oh, stories from story, Gun Barrel. It, it <laughs> could be like part true crime, um, it, it like kind of Tiger King esque dramas. I'm talking about. So it's, it's a very magical place. Um, but yeah, so my parents they were stationed in the UK. And uh, bought this ranch online. And the ranch is lovely. I, I love it. You know, I love the ranch itself. The area around it is very 
Interesting. And I've tried to explain to folks over the years and they're like, oh yeah, that's just living out in the country. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not understand. I've lived in the country my whole life. This is a different kind. This is, this is like alternate universe country. So (laughs) yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's a very special place. So moved out here and up at this point, I had just finished um, being an assistant trainer for several different trainers over the last several years. Um, so, like, this is my first time hanging my shingle, being, you know, trying to drum up some business as a young horse trainer. I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, I had gotten myself a few horses in training. And one of them was this really adorable fluffy gypsy vanner stud horse. He's like this, I think he was a year old and his owners wanted me to show him in halter at the Fort Worth stock show. I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have like the gypsy vanner world show at the Fort Worth stock show. Um, kind of a big deal. And so I had this like cute pot belly, adorable feathered fluffy pony, uh, with like, you know, four inch long winter coat. And I only, the only reason I actually had him in training, they just wanted me to show up and show him. And I said, he's, he's like a yearling stud colt. And they were, um, they're pretty experienced horse owners, but I was like, can you drop him off at my place for a couple of weeks just so I can get to know him? I'm not just going to like show up at a show and show a stud without really knowing the horse and doing a little work. Um, So I had him in training and, uh, I was going to take him to a schooling, a schooling show in Alvarado, Texas beforehand, just to kind of get his feet wet. He'd never been shown before, you know, prepare for the big world show. Um, so that aside, um, how do the chickens factor into this? Well, my, I have always had lovely neighbors living next door. It's been several different families over the years. And for some reason, they're always the bane of my existence. And that in itself is a whole set of stories. Um, But the family who was living there at the time was a really nice lady. She had a bunch of kids and she had this newer boyfriend. Um, And they, they had like, you know, they were living on, I don't know, 20 acres and they're the kind of folks that move to a farm, don't know anything about animals and just get a bunch of animals. And, you know, it's, the results are mixed. Um, but they had this kind of, they had this topless chain link dog kennel in the backyard and the boyfriend brought over, um, something like 27 chickens and tried to put them in this dog kennel. And that's where they were going to, like, just a ton of chickens. And not just any chickens. These are cockfighting chickens. <gasps> oh! Yeah, so that oh. is something that happens here. Um, it's cockfights, because, of course, it does. And um, so, if you know anything about chickens... So, he didn't. He had no clue what he was getting, did he? He just got chickens. I think he got them from like a family member or a friend and I don't know what was going to happen with these things. But if you know anything about chickens, just because they can't fly doesn't mean that they, that this dog kennel is going to contain them. 
And yeah, up to this point, um, we had our own set of chickens. We had bought this gorgeous little adorable kind of doghouse size red chicken coop. And we had four Sussex hens, um, adorable little laying hens. So we had, you know, we had our own chickens, these beautiful little hens and their little cute red coop. And within a few days, we had we went from four to like thirty chickens because we feed our chickens, which is a novel concept. And so all of those chickens escaped the dog kennel and just lived with us. Um, and that's just <laughs> what we dealt with. And they roosted in the trees. Um, and so we just started taking care of like these thirty chickens, uh, and which is fine. You know, chickens are pretty easy. So uh, we ended up getting a bigger coop and everything because you know we you don't want them just roosting out anywhere um so anyway so we have that situation going on so back to the horse gonna take him to the small schooling show in alvarado i am not familiar with this area um you know i'm thinking like really small time you know one day show there's gonna be like a bunch of kids there and you know some local folks and um, you know, low key. And so I, I bring this gypsy colt and I also decided I was going to show my mule, um, who is amazing. Uh, but he also like, he'd been kind of out to pasture and he also had a big floofy winter coat and everything. And, um, so Alvarado's hour and a half away. We're going to leave for the show. Wake up at five in the morning so we can get there at time, uh, on time. And it's dark out. I go out, turn on the truck so that it warms up, get all the, you know, get the horses ready, get everything loaded up, drive to the show. So pull into this show. And uh, so I had my window rolled down. And as soon as I did, I could smell the smell of like peppy coat polish in the air. And I look around. <laughs> yeah. Which if, if you do any kind of horse showing, Peppy is serious business because it's amazing product. And I look around and every one of these horses is in 14 winter blankets and slinkies and polo wraps. And they all look like they're prepping for AQHA World Show. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a bit bigger than I thought. And I pull up in my little stock trailer with my mule and little pot belly gypsy colt, both full winter coat. And I'm like, oh man, okay, well that's fine. This this is fine. We'll be okay. And um I uh open my door to get out of the car and I see there's uh three chickens in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh my god, they have chickens here. And oh, I no. do a double take oh, no. and I'm like, those are our chickens. So, and remember, this place is an hour and a half away. So, like, we have three of our chicken, a rooster and two hens. And so, apparently, when I was warming up the truck, these chickens got, and I think they sat on top of the transmission box under the car to get warm. And then rode an hour and a half with us to this show. Oh, you had hitchhikes. I've heard of kitty cats doing that. I've never heard of chickens doing that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Who knows how many I started with? Oh, Um, geez. Thank you. I know. No, I think it was just the three. Um, You were wondering why all those people were honking at you down the interstate. (laughs) Right? So, I ride with 
three fully intact chickens to this really competitive looking horse show and my gypsy vayner and my mule. And, um, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to hand out business cards at this show. <laughs> um, I don't think this is the one where I'm going to like make my grand debut. Um, so, uh, the lady who, uh, owned the property that the show was going to be on, she's like, you better do something with those chickens. Cause you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to let my dogs out and they don't like chickens. And so we don't, they're not really my chickens. They're the neighbor's chickens, but I, I can't just like a, a kidnap these chickens and then abandon them hours from home. And, uh, so we've got to figure out in this busy parking lot. And I have classes starting like in 30 minutes, um, how to recapture these chickens. So my mom's like, you go in, get ready. I'll take care of it. So I end up going in and, and, um, getting, you know, getting the horses ready and everything and, uh, doing, you know, I'm in the halter classes. So doing the first classes. And meanwhile, my mom is running across the parking lot trying to round up chickens and every so often I hear murmurs from people like someone's chasing chickens in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh my God, who's that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Throw mom under the bus. Go ahead. Who in the world would be chasing chickens around? Um, yeah. So it, it, it ended up being a, it ended up being a good show. We did fine. Um, the gypsy cult did run me over once in the halter class, but we got through it. Um, and then at the end of the show, uh, we are no further with chickens. So um, I ended up having to help my mom round up these chickens in the parking lot. And there were many witnesses. Um, we finally got them herded into someone's trailer, um, which thankfully the back of it was unlocked. Like they jumped up and in through the slots of the trailer and I was able to open the door and go in and get them. Uh, I don't even remember what we put them in. I think they just rode in the cab with us home. Um, so we did catch all the chickens. It was great. But for years after that, if I ever mentioned it to someone, they'd be like, oh, my God, that was you? So um, <laughs> that was like my first you know, introduction to uh, you know, being in Texas of, I was the chicken person for, for a few years there. Oh um, my gosh. but yeah, it was, it was a really fun time. It was a really mm -hmm. fun time. Um, oh, and I have to say years later, the boyfriend came over cause they were moving and wanted the chickens back, um, that we had taken care of and fed for several years because they were worth a lot of money apparently. Um, wow. Yeah. By the way, those so, chickens that you've been taking care of, can we have them now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I still, I like at the ranch currently, I have three chickens currently residing there. Also not mine from neighbors next door, different people who get chickens, chicken see, oh man, they have like food and stuff over there. Come over and live with us. See, that's the problem are, is you feed them. See? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah. But and they're they're very good chickens, so you know, they're not a problem. They eat bugs. Well, see, that's it. a good thing. The, the, now do your chick do the chickens lay eggs in weird places? Yes. Yeah. Um I tend not to ever have really broody chickens. Uh so I will find eggs on patio furniture. Um 
There was a period of time where we had this one guinea hen. She was so cool. She was like having a little dinosaur. And we had one guinea hen amongst all these random chickens. And these chickens had taken to going into our burn pile, which we weren't using at the time, but, you know, it was just a pile of wood and stuff. And they would lay their eggs in the burn pile and abandon them. And this guinea disappeared for several weeks. And I was like, oh, my God, something must have got her. And then she emerged out of this burn pile with three mismatched chicks that she raised. So she just went and sat on random eggs and had her own little oh baby gosh. chickens. It was adorable. Oh, my gosh. So so chickens are cool with blended 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 families. Oh, yes. Yes. Every once in a while, you'll see a, a hen, duck, chicken, goose, wandering about with this assortment of hatchlings that obviously are a very blended interspecies kind of a family. And it's so freaking cute. <laughs> yeah. Some chickens just lay eggs wherever they happen to be standing. And then some are like super broody and see an egg and they're like, oh, oh I'm must be mine. Yeah. I am compelled. Yes. yes. Well, you know, it's, humans are the same way. Some humans, they just gather all the children's and they're like little Pied Pipers and others of us are a little bit less so. <laughs> yeah, we just collect dogs. <laughs> collect dogs. There we go. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is so much fun. Well, next coming up is our training tip. But before we get to our training tip, I wanted to mention Horseware. We couldn't do this show without them. They're our title sponsor. And head on over to horseware.com in case you didn't know. It's H-O-R-S-E-W-E-A-R.com. And check out the Christmas specials they've got going on right now. Horseware has something for everyone and something for every horse, too. They've got Amigo bridles and other tack, classy competition clothes for shows, whether you're in the North or the South. And, of course, they've got the iconic lines of Rambo, Rhino, Amigo, and Mio horse rugs for every budget and every weather condition. So stop by horseware.com today and get something cool. Now, speaking of cool, training tip. There's always inspiration in the training tip. And the, and the inspiration for the training tip is just as much fun as the training tip itself. So first of all, what's our training tip and what's its inspiration? Um, so I wanted to talk about the use of pressure in horse training and pressure is just something that is part of horse training, whether you like to use a lot of pressure or little pressure. And then I'll see people say, I use no pressure horse training. Well, that's not very possible because whether you think you're applying pressure to a horse or not, um, it, it, the horse might see it differently, um, especially like working with Mustangs. Sometimes being within 100 feet of a horse and just standing there is pressure. Um, and so, you know, horses' lives are involved of them observing pressure and deciding, what am I going to do about this? How do I escape from this? How do I accept this? Um, in some cases, what can I do to fight this or resist this? Um, you know, they're prey animals and their biggest fear is I don't want to be trapped. I don't want to be hurt. Um, so they are extremely aware of body language and pressure and um, they can be very reactive to it, um, fearful of it um, or 
you know, and, and our job is to teach them, hey, there's going to be a few things that will make you feel pressure. And here's what I want you to do about it. And sometimes I want you to not do anything. So when you feel the pressure of me adjusting the girth, don't explode bucking because that's not going to help anyone. Um, so we have to teach them, you know, sometimes pressure is just something that we're going to accept and it's going to be okay. And sometimes pressure is um, something that I'm going to use in the form of a cue. So when I um, adjust your halter this way or that, you need to follow it so that you can stay by my side. Or when I p- place my leg on you, um, I want you to move this way or that. So it's, it's interwoven in everything we do with a horse. And it's very much a part of training. Um, and you could commit a lifetime of study into how to apply pressure in a way that's both effective and doesn't create fear um, and helps you with your partnership. And when I started doing this, um, I did not understand how much pressure I was using in training. And I had a very poor understanding of how much pressure was required to get a horse to work with me. And I think that's extremely prevalent in the horse world. And because horses are such amazing creatures and they put up with so much, um, I think sometimes people equate being very aggressive um, and applying lots of pressure with good horse training. Um, and that's where the gaslighting term comes into this week's training tip. So if you don't know what gaslighting is, it's a term that's become pretty prevalent and very kind of trendy in the last few years. And it is uh, used to describe uh, a tactic that people use to... Um, to manipulate others. So it actually comes from a movie. Um, I, th- I think the movie is just called Gaslight, if I'm not mistaken, where this guy pretty much makes his wife uh, feel like she's crazy. Um, so I don't, you know, maybe you've, ex- maybe people, we've, we've probably all experienced that with someone where we have an emotional reaction to something and the, our partner or friend or family member will say, well, why are you doing that? You're you're just acting nuts. I don't even know what's wrong with you. And then they put it all back on you. Like, yeah, maybe I insulted you, but your reaction was ridiculous. Like you need to calm down. And so then you do end up kind of thinking, well, God, maybe, maybe I'm the problem. And it, it can, it's infuriating and you can, it could drive you mad. Um, and it's all it is, is a tactic. It's a tactic to manipulate and get you to back down and it puts the defense now instead of um, confronting someone about something they did that hurt you um, now you have to defend yourself because they come back at you with like well you're just being crazy Um, or you know why are you crying I didn't even say anything Um, and I think every human has had this experience in some form or the other and I've seen it pop up in discussions about horse training um and usually it involves particular trainers um so this idea uh for this training tip all started um on facebook so as tends to happen um there was disagreement on facebook no tell me it didn't happen 
Yeah. And uh, it was involved um, with a very specific horse trainer. And this is a horse trainer that I actually have personal experience with. And this, uh, this trainer is um, pretty aggressive with training. And their justification for it is, oh, you know, I, why did I, why did I just whack this horse with a stick? Well, he was being disrespectful and I have to be the herd leader and da, 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 da. Um, so this trainer is known for being very blunt and very aggressive with pressure. Um, and they, they have a pretty rabid following of people and kind of one of those trainers, you either love them or you hate them. And someone was asking on Facebook, you know, uh, what do, you, what do you guys think of this trainer? And so the comments were very polarizing. You had a lot of people that said, I don't really like this program for this reason, this reason, this reason. And then you had a lot of people said, you know, I use this program and it worked really well for me. Um, and I've trained several horses with it and we won all these shows and it was great. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's fine. It's great to have a back and forth discussion and I don't begrudge anyone their experience if they had success with their horse. And if something someone said, help them, I mean, I think everybody has something to offer. Um, but sometimes, you know, the discussion can get a little personal and, um, very emotional. And some of the, some of these comments, uh, fell under the category of what I would consider gaslighting. Uh, so, you know, again, we had people going back and forth saying, I like this trainer for these reasons. I don't like this trainer for these reasons. And the people in defense, some of the, some of the folks in defense of this trainer would say things to the tune of, you know, I like this trainer, this works for me, but it probably doesn't work for people who handle their horses with kid gloves. And I'm like, Ugh, really, you know, it's okay to disagree, but I don't like that kind of reaction. Um, you know, um, oh yeah, you don't like this trainer and that's probably because you spoil your horses. And what that is essentially saying is it's probably because you're just not very good with your horses. And that's why you don't agree with this form of horse training. And I just think that's very unfair and it can be very dangerous within the horse world. And I have seen this firsthand. Because what that does, uh, if I'm arguing with someone and they say something like that to me, oh, well, I understand why you don't like this form of training. And that's just because you spoil your horse. You know, I actually do real things with my horse. And so that's why I'm evolved enough to understand what this trainer is trying to do. And so what, what that'll do to me, my reaction is going to be instinctually, now I have to defend myself rather than my argument. Um, and the ways in which I can see this be harmful, because I have seen this firsthand. I have seen trainers in demos take someone's horse and are aggressive with the horse in a public demo to the point of uh, mentally damaging the horse or even physically damaging the horse. And causing harm, causing the horse to become exhausted to the point of colic. Um, and then they hand the horse back to the owner and with an air of, well, your horse was, you know, I had to do this with your horse. Um, and if you don't agree with it, it's because, uh, well, you're a tree hugger and, you know, 
people like you just don't understand what it takes to train horses. And I've spoken with owners over the years who have experienced something like this with, with trainers or clinicians, and they always are just so guilty and kicking themselves. Why did I let this person do that to my horse? And it's because they were manipulated into thinking that, well, this person knows what they're doing and I don't. And that's because of that gaslighting. And, you know, I totally understand that guilt. And I just want anyone who's ever been in a situation like that to understand, you know, it's, it's not your fault. You know, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. And you absolutely do not have to accept that treatment for you or your horse from anyone. You can march in there and take your horse and go, you are the paying client. You don't have to put up with that. Um, so that's my little, um, so that's your PSA for the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I can totally see this because we went through a phase, I would say late nineties, early two thousands that the term natural horsemanship was a, was a really, really serious buzzword. And a lot of people had the perception that it was a way to instantly train a horse. And when I say train a horse, it train a horse meant make the horse docile. It would do mm-hmm. anything you want without any resistance. Bomb proof. Make the bomb proof, make a horse bomb proof instantly. So of course, everybody wanted to have that horse, right? Everybody show horses who were hyper reactive, um, comp- competitive horses that were too energetic, pleasure horses who were too much for the rider who was an occasional weekend rider. All these categories wanted the instant fix. So the whole natural horsemanship, you put them in a round pen and 30 minutes later, they're perfect, which we all know doesn't happen under any circumstance, whether it's circumstances, whether it's fair and ethical training techniques or not fair and ethical training techniques. It doesn't happen that way. But that's what we were, I think we were sold that early on, that that was the perception of the sales pitch. And I think luckily we are seeing more people who are in the natural horsemanship space do exactly what you just did and call out the people who are the charlatans, the ones that are saying, um, oh, instant fix, anything that's wrong, it's your fault, you spoiled your horse, you're just not hard enough on them. Um, and yes, many of us do spoil our horses. Absolutely, I'm putting my hand up right now. I spoil him. But I also take responsibility for that spoiling. He can be a little bit naughty about being in my space. He walks too close to me. Sometimes he bumps into me. It's because I don't react appropriately. I ignore it. I don't ask him to back up three steps and set him where he belongs. I get that. But I also realize that when I work with a trainer or I send my horse to a trainer, I I expect to see incremental improvements in skill sets. And I expect to see a horse who is content and comfortable in his work versus the horse who becomes flight reactive or shut down. And again, shut down is not something we recognized 20 years ago as a psychological state for a horse can be exacerbated by this gaslighting technique because the horse just completely encloses himself in his own little world and goes, okay, I just, I, completely 
um, disregard your reality and create my own kind of a thing. So that's a very interesting, very interesting point of view and great advice. Maybe that should be some, maybe that should be some of our New Year's resolutions to be more attuned to when that is happening either to us, to those we care about, whether they be horse, human, dog, cat, and be more cognizant of whether or not we are projecting that technique onto others because we all do it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the human condition. You know, we, we don't mean to, or we, we're not always, we don't always recognize that mm-hmm. we're doing that. And I think yep. this this kind of whole idea of you don't know what's good for you, I know what's good for you, it was mostly born out of a, a good place initially, you know, with, with the rise of, you know, that time period when we had a bunch of these clinicians and um, showing these demos. Um, this, you know, we, we had this era where we had um, people from the baby boomer generation who had disposable income. They grew up with Westerns and loving horses, maybe had some as a kid and then kitten. Okay. Now the kids are out of the house. You've got this money. I'm going to get the horse I always wanted. And so we had this boom of recreational riders. And so you get the horse, um, realize it's not as easy it was as it was when we were kids. And they ended up in really, um, troublesome spots with their horse and they were looking for help. And some, and some people did need a wake up call and they needed some guy to say, Hey, you're in a very dangerous position right now and you need to do something serious with this horse. This horse needs an intervention or one or both of you is going to die. I think there are times when someone needs someone to step in and be really firm with them and say, this is this is not a good thing, and this is what we're going to have to do, and I need you to trust me. Um, but then I saw it started to get twisted to, not with all trainers, just kind of a select few of, oh, you don't like what I just did with your horse? Well, that's because you don't know what you're doing, and you're crazy, and your horse is disrespectful, which I wish we could strike that from horse training vocabulary. Yeah. Horses do not have the frontal lobe to plot and connive or understand what the concept of respect or disrespect is. Um, you know, not saying you can't set clear and firm boundaries with your horse to keep both of you safe, but when you go at it from a place of your horse is disrespecting you, our reaction to that tends to be That's more completely emotional. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to paint your little ragged wagon red and I'm going to run you around the round pen until you listen, you son of a gun. Um, so I think it's a very kind of dangerous road to travel down. But and with the trainers, disagreement is totally fine because Someone will find something from a certain trainer that, man, this really helped me when I was in a really something's, troublesome something's spot. Something's going to resonate, sure. But yes. invariably, we need to take a look at, is this resonating with me because of, is it resonating with me emotionally? Is there good science that backs up this technique? I think that's one of the keys, too, is very recently, I would say in the past 10 years, we've gotten really good... Uh, science on how horses' brains can work. Again, they have these parts of the brains either do or don't exist in a horse. And also understanding how horses display certain reactions. For example, when you're doing positive reinforcement training, understanding what positive reinforcement is versus 
negative reinforcement and things like and and then recognizes what you're really seeing so if a trainer can explain that to you if you're going i'm uncomfortable with what's going on with my horse now ask that trainer to explain to you what's going on what's the science what is what learning science is being displayed here and what what learning science is being used here to help my horse be a better citizen and if that's if that's not ringing true you know maybe you need to step away and find a different person to help you yeah and discussion and disagreement is great it's how we learn you know if if i vehemently disagree with you on a trainer that's fine. We can still respect each other. But when it devolves into I'm going to attack you personally because of your viewpoint and insult you, per- that's when things are not going to be helpful. And I, and again, I just want anyone to know you, when it comes to your horse and who you pay for guidance or help or to work with your horse, you have every right to say no, for whatever reason you want and walk away. And, you know, there might be people saying, well, that's just because, you know, you're, you don't know what you do. It doesn't matter. I'm the paying client. I can do what I want. I can follow who I want. It is totally up to you. You are your horse's advocate. You are the only one that's going to stand between them and potential harm. So, you know, do what it, it's like your child. You know, you have every right to choose uh, who you allow into your horse's life and, um, you know, don't ever feel ashamed for that. There you go. That's the end of PSA. <laughs> that was an interesting yeah. discussion. Not at all where I, I thought right. it would go, but Me really either. fascinating, cool <laughs> stuff. We're going to take a break and we're going to lighten things up right now. We're going to take a little short break and enjoy some previously aired Radiothon masterpieces for those unfamiliar Radiothon was the official HRN radio holiday radiothon what we did for several years. It was a 12 hour long live broadcast and a great deal of it was listener submitted content and it's awesome and fun and inspiring. So we're going to play a little bit of that from one of our previous radiothons. And when we come back, we're going to answer a listener question or so. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a course, a horsey Christmas, looking through your pony's ears. Ride through snow and ten below until the weather clears. Podcasts of HRN playing as you ride. Laugh so hard you find yourself. Falling off the side. Merry Christmas to the horse world. May your horse be safe and sound. Give a candy cane to all the pretty ponies around. Merry Christmas, Horse Radio Network from Linda in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Glenn. Hey, in the control booth, Coach Jen. Full of wisdom, y'all are funny, and your advertisements make me spend my money. Horsey husbands, Dr. Ying, Helena too, they make me sing. The crew down under joins the fun, so many awesome shows I just can't pick one. Eventing show, dressage too, horsey driving for you to do. Debbie's tips keep you in the saddle, marketing show you know it ain't no prattle. Need those equines in our life. And Tigger tells you how to feed them right. Morning, evening, 
not enough to squeeze it all in. It, it is so tough. Your podcasts, they are so very clever. I learned so much that I never knew I needed to know. Like the Sheath cleaning song from your shows. Thank you so much for the lessons. I think you all are sent from heaven. Just when I needed my forcey fix, I found HRN in my podcast mix. Hey, HRN family, wishing you all joy, peace, and love now and all year long. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind may This is Elizabeth Harrison, Georgia. Every day I look at your picture and wonder how it would have been. God called you back to heaven at three. He must have needed you then. I know you were greeted by grands, Annie and Santana, Great Grand Dusty, and the rest who have crossed the Rainbow Bridge from here. Sometimes when I ride your brother's sport, it seems you're watching so near. Your confirmation was so beautiful, gate so lofty and elegant, and your spirit was always, let's go. Sport has talent for sure and does love to jump, but when it comes to dressage, he pretends to catch on very slow. I never found the cause of your injury, just fenced off that area for the deer. In my dream star, you're all grown up and trained ready for Rolex without any fear. It's a fantasy ride now, Star, but someday I'll join you and we can go circle the stars and jump the clouds. Until then, know you're loved and still missed. Hugs and pats from Brandywine, and know Mom E is proud. Hard to be a Jew on Christmas. I 
here on HRN. And Jamie, Jen, Glenn had just one thing to ask of me, but I couldn't come up with a stupid song that should have pleased. And I'm desperately pleading, please, Leslie, don't fire me, because I'm a Jew, a horsey Jew on Christmas. Now Hanukkah is nice, but why is it that it comes without those sweet candy canes? And instead of that my horse is chewing on my sleeve, and without the fuzzy sucking, my stall front looks quite empty. And can somebody please tell me where to make yarmulkes for horses? Cause I'm a Jew, a horsey Jew. I'd be married, but I'm Hebrew on Christmas. Oh, starry night, the barn is brightly shining. It is the night that our dear pink gives birth. Laid out in straw as Jamie stands and watches till it appeared a healthy strong foe. He tries to stand and Jamie cries with joy. Chestnut and crow Just like she always wanted Tonight he's born Rolex is our future Merry Christmas from Woodbrook Stables in Lakewood, Washington, everybody. You've heard Philip and Wendy, sometimes Coach Jen, Debbie, Helena, let's not forget Glenn. But do you recall the most famous show host of all? Hedwig the Pomeranian. From the Healthy Critters Show Tackles all the tough questions Jamie Jennings doesn't know All of the hosts adore her Even with a funny name Hedwig the Pomeranian Joins in all the HRN games Then one frosty Christmas Eve Glenn came home to see the host had wrapped his gifts in gold underneath the Christmas tree. Now Hedwig the Pomeranian is on the Healthy Critters Show. She'll answer all the vet questions. Jamie Jamie's never knows. All of the hosts adore her. 
When she ships and barks with glee, headway to Pomeranian. It's making podcast history. Hi, this is Jamie, Elva, and JP from Production at Biostar. We have been busy elves in the Biostar kitchen making sure we have plenty of stocking stuffers for our healthy critters. We are so excited that we want to sing a song to everyone listening. We made optimum liver treats, buckaroo stew. Biostar bites colostrum to put in our holiday totes with Tigger's book, too. Happy holidays from Biostar to you. Officer, I want to wish everybody on the HRN network a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I've compiled a few little parodies here to sing to you. Bear with me, this was short notice. You better look out for really bad ads and get them in soon and you might be glad because Jamie and Glenn might read them on air. Craigslist is the best place other ads may do. If it is the funniest one, they'll send a gift to you. Oh, you better practice hard. You need to jump high. You need to run fast. I'm telling you why. Because eventing season's coming to town. The judges know if you are cheating. They'll know if you're a fake. They'll judge you if you're bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Horse poop smells. Horse poop smells. It won't go away. Oh, what fun it is to clean horse stalls every day. Thank you, God bless, and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go, take a look at the bit of Britain glistening once again with leather reins and silver curb chains that glow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store, but the prettiest sight you'll see are the horses that will be out your own front door. A pair of Cavallo boots and a pony that scoots are the wish of Wendy and Glenn. Horses that rock and will go for a walk are the wish of Jamie and Jen. And Philip and Reese can hardly wait for showing to start again. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go, there's a tree in the Grand Hotel. One out fox hunting as well. The sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Soon the sleigh bells will start 
And the thing that will make them ring is the carol that you sing right within your heart. Right within your heart. Merry Christmas. This is If I Only Had a Horse by Betsy Swanson. If I had a dog or kitten, I'd feed and hug and kiss them, but I'd rather have a horse. Birds and bunnies, snakes and fishes would not satisfy my wishes, cause I really want a horse. I would love a big black Frisian with flowing hair all waving or little dapple gray. Appaloosa, Roan, or Pinto, Buckskin Bay, or Palomino, just as long as it's a horse. A horse I can depend on to take me for a ride, or one that I could hitch up for a drive, or rescue one that needs some love. I could ride dressage at Devon, my style would impress them, or trail ride with my friends. I'd jump any kind of fencing, I might even try eventing if I only had a horse. I'd look awesome riding western, with my buckle and my stetson, we'd win the pleasure class. I could spin and slide and reining, rope a cow or do pull bending if I only had a horse. Non-horse people can't believe it, they don't see why I need it, the muck, the sweat and hair. But I'm happy at the farm, my therapist lives in the barn, and she whinnies just for me. A friend I can depend on to chase my blues away. I can get high just from smelling hay. You see, of course, I need my horse. My parents thought that I'd outgrow it. They really should have known it would never go away. Now I'm a grandma over 50 with a horse who's really nifty and I love her every day. The Horse Radio Network. It's a place we all love as we clean out our barn stalls or have feed bags to shove. When we plug in those headphones, the time passes fast. With Glenn, Jen, and Jamie, each chore seems a blast. Though each episode's fun, what's amazing to me is each time I hit listen, I'm learning, you see. From makeup to mustangs, or sheath cleaning too, from beet pulp to bridles, so much learning I do. The guests are amazing from all walks of life. Some English, some Western, but rarely there's strife. This place brings us together. It breaks down the walls. It reaches the horse world. It touches us all. So why don't you listen? That's my question for you. There's 5,000 options, so pick one or two. And join us, the family of HRN land. Time spent here is exciting, and the ride has been grand. I hope you guys have a great day. Radiothon 2016 Just want you to know That I am listening All the way from Hawaii In paradise you'll find me My favorite show is Horses in the Morning Glenn the Geek And Jamie Jennings Make me laugh In the mornings 
They asked me to say my fantasy ride today. Latigo Donna, aka Hollywood from LA. Melikalikimaka. Hi, everybody. This is Celeste from Virginia. I'm calling to wish everyone at the Horse Radio Network a Merry Christmas, and I have a little song for the Hit'em Crew. So this is going to be the Horses in the Morning, 12 Days of Christmas. On the 12th day of Christmas, my horse husband gave to me 12 squeezy buns, 11 tubs of Nalax, 10 easy signs, 9 ovation breeches, 8 tax store gift cards, 7 biotic, 8 packs, 6 back on track wraps, 5 flex and forks, 4 heated buckets, 3 barn cats, 2 puppy dogs, and a weather beta blanket. Happy Radiothon! On the twelfth day of Christmas, my barn made show to me. Twelve ropers roping. Eleven trainers training. Ten hunters jumping. Nine mares be offing. Eight kids a-grooming. Seven stalls need cleaning. Six foals a-sleeping. Five, five snaffle bits. Four neighing colts. Three French mares. Two Cleveland bays. And, and a saddle from horselovers.com. Happy holidays. I want a Hanoverian for Christmas. Only a Hanoverian will do. No thoroughbreds or dinky Shetland pony. I want a Hanoverian to play with and enjoy. I want a Hanoverian for Christmas. I don't think Santa Claus will mind you. He won't have to use a dirty chimney flue. Just leave him in the barn, that's the easy thing to do. I can see me now on Christmas morning creeping to the barn. Oh, what joy and what surprise when I open up my eyes to see a Hano-Hero standing there. I want a Hanoverian for Christmas. Only a Hanoverian will do. No quarter horses, no Arabians. I like those Hanoverians, and Hanoverians like me too. My dear Horse Radio Network, I have received and read all the letters which you and your hosts have written me by the hand of your horses and ponies as well as the ones from your listeners and auditors alike. While the hoof prints and shavings make them difficult reads, I have heard all your horsey wishes and needs. So for all the hosts and fans, I grant you these. For Glenn and Jen, your fearless leaders, a day off, you busy beavers. For Jamie Jennings, the eventing gal, you get to ride the Rolex with one of your trusty pals. And Wendy Ying, go for a drive through the snow to hear the sleigh bells ring. Now for Helena B., who calls Newport home, a night on the town, so go on and roam. We can't forget Philip and Reese, who are masters of dressage, for you both need a massage. For Debbie Laux, the join-up queen, a willing partner with a coat that gleams. There's Max and Joe, who run the eventing radio show, for you shall have a cross-country full of snow. And Mike and Casey, who know everything rodeo, a system with perfect audio. Then Tigger and Patty, who keep all our animals healthy, happy and healthy. This show will make you wealthy. Then there are all the guest hosts, who help Glenn 
on Jamie's day off. A bunch of Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns in a golden golden trough. And finally, your listeners and auditors who come in many sizes and heights for all the shows to play well into Christmas night. I hope that all the days be filled with equine friends and that you have some more two-legged ones as well in the end. A Merry Christmas to all from your jolly friend, Santa Claus. Hanukkah is festival of light. Instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. If you feel like the only kid in the barn without a Christmas tree, here's a list of other equestrians who are Jewish, just like you and me. American Pharaoh lights the menorah. Amen Zayat spins the dreidel on the floor. And guess who drinks? Man of Shevitz, Dressage Great, Robert Dover, and Margie Angle Ahitz. Georgina Bloomberg's half Jewish, and you know, I'm half Jewish too. So put us both together, and that's one horse crazy Jew. So many Jews are in the holy space. George Morris isn't Jewish, but I heard his accountant is. So put on your yarmulke, it's time for Hanukkah. It's so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. So put your helmet on a cup and ride a lip is on a cup, but only if you wanna go have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, guys. Santa baby, just slip a saddle under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight, Santa baby. A gooseneck and a four-wheel drive too, steel blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Think of all. The sleep I've missed. Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed. Next year I could be just as good if you'll check off my Christmas list. Santa baby, the leg rose trot. Now really that's not a lot. Been an angel all year, Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight, Santa honey. One little thing I really do need, the deed. To an Ocala farm, Santa honey. So hurry down the chimney tonight, Santa cutie. And fill my stocking with a trip to Rolex and checks. 
Sign your ex on the line, Santa cutie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Come and trim my Christmas tree with a gift certificate to Dewberry. I really do believe in you, so let's see if you believe in me. Santa baby, forgot to mention one little thing, an indoor ring. And I don't mean on the phone, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. And I'd like to mention at this time, Total Saddle Fit. Total Saddle Fit is one of our sponsors here on the Mary Kitzmiller monthly training episode, which just happened to have happen every second Thursday of the month. And if you go to horsesinthemorning.com, you'll see Mary's little training icon in the middle of the page. And if you click on that, it will sort to the top all of Mary's issue or, or episodes. So you can listen to her and I, and sometimes Glenn, geek out on all things training and chat with interesting training guests for a lot of ish, a lot of uh, episodes. We've done a lot of these now. Yeah, yeah. And back by popular demand from Total Saddle Fit is the perfect saddle pad. He comes up with such clever names. Perfect saddle pad. It is designed with everything you would expect from a top of the line one hundred percent wool saddle pad but with a plethora of performance and comfort features that you're not going to find anywhere else because everything at Total Saddle Fit is completely unique and well-researched and only available from Total Saddle Fit. So if you see something similar uh, from another company, they're copying. The Perfect Saddle Pad comes with Wither Freedom, which is a cutback design over the withers that completely removes any downward pressure on the horse's sensitive withers. It also allows for clearance and less bulk under the front of the saddle. Because, you know, sometimes it seems to fit, but then you stuff your fingers under the fork of the saddle. It's like, mm, that's awfully close. Doesn't do that. The special special wither freedom is paired with a ventilated top line, so you never have to worry about your horse's back getting overheated. And in addition, they also have the Western six-point saddle pad, which comes with a full saddle fitting system to precisely dial in the saddle balance and rider weight over the panel contact on the horse's back. And it's all very subtle. No one, you'll, no one will know your horse is wearing shims. Only you. So check it nice. all out. <laughs> yeah, only no. You see, you don't want to advertise that to everybody, right? So you can find all of that and more at totalsaddlefit.com. And uh, you can also find Total Saddle Fit products at many uh, better tack retailers around the country. But if you don't have one of those, go to saddle, totalsaddlefit.com and check them out today. Now, dun, 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 it's time for listener Q&A. These are questions listen, submitted by listeners of the Horse Radio Network who are audit, also auditors. Auditors are folks who help support Horse Radio Network programming through Patreon. If you want to know how to become an auditor, go to Horses in the Morning or Horse Radio Network and click on the auditor banner somewhere on the page. Go to it. What are we going to answer today? Okay, we've got one from Carly and her horse Ducky, which is a cool name for a horse. Um, when she is uh, moving her horse around the long, uh, 
a lunge line, I think, long lead rope. So I think she's lunging the horse. He tends to veer his shoulder out and pulls his own head into the circle. So his head is on the inside and it sounds like he's bowing his shoulder, the outside of the circle. And he thinks, I mean, stop. Uh, mean to stop him because he feels the pressure. So he stops. But our cue to stop is me moving ahead of him. I hate having to keep pushing him because I feel like it'll eventually lose its value, which is smart. Yeah, good, good instinct on that. So how do I teach him to keep a nice, even circle? Great question. Um, so when we teach our horses to move around us uh, in a circle on a lunge line or long lead rope, um, they don't have a concept that we're trying to get them to do a circle. So what they tend to do is they'll move out and then they might hit the pressure of the lead rope and they might stop or they might turn into us and then make the circle really so small that they're like running over us. Or some horses, if they're extremely sensitive, might go, ah, and then run to the outside of the circle, dragging us behind them. I know I've never experienced that <laughs> um, <laughs> ever. Uh, so, you know, how do we teach our horse? Like they don't know geometry, what a circle is. Um so what I do, what I was initially taught to do was every time the horse would uh, feel pressure on the rope um, would be to pull and release on the rope. Uh, but what that ended up causing was a horse that was kind of rubbernecked and I would pull on him and then he would pull on me and then I would pull on him until he just ignored it. And then our, our circle was very unbalanced and the horse would learn to kind of brace against that and go really straight around that circle. And it was very hard to soften him up again after that. Um, so I still use this idea of pressure and release, but I, um, I act more like I'm a fence post. So what I mean by that, um, I don't stand completely still in the ground because it, it can be very hard to take a young and experienced horse and ask him to move forward in a small circle. Um, that takes a good deal of balance from them to do it in a soft way where they're balanced on their hindquarters, their shoulder is nice and straight, they're soft on that lead rope. So in the beginning, I give them a lot of leeway and a lot of line, and I will walk an enormous circle around with them just to teach the concept of go forward. Because if we tr demand a, a small circle, like, you know, a 10 meter circle, even a, uh, you know, like 10 or 15 meter circle, um, it is the horse will tend to go forward. They feel the pressure. It's too hard for them to go forward. And they think it's too hard for them to go forward in such a small circle. So they'll stop. And then we have to say, okay, you need to go again. And then we play this game of go, stop, go, stop. Um, so I, so I'm very concerned with just get forward going first. I want you to free up and move out. So again, I walk a very big circle with them and give them lots of room to explore that circle. Um, and that's easier for them to figure it out. Um, and when they go too big a circle, they're like really moving to the outside of the circle and then drifting off. I don't pull against them. So I'm not pulling back on that lead rope. I just pick a point where I just hold my hand firm. And the reason I say fence post, uh, theoretically, if a horse is tied to a fence post and he pulls against it, fence post doesn't move. And the horse goes, uh, okay. I don't like that feeling. And if he comes forward, the fence post does not continue to pull on the horse. The fence post 
release that the horse will release himself actually and put slack in that rope and that horse will go, oh, okay, this feels better. So this is where I'm going to stay ideally. Um, so same kind of concept when I'm going around and it sounds like I'm kind of splitting hairs between do I pull back on that rope to create the pressure to get him to soften or do I hold steady? I hold steady and I make sure that when he finds his way back into that circle that I don't continue to pull. I want him to put that slack in the rope himself. And so as he goes around, he'll kind of go too far on the outside of the circle. I will just kind of keep my hand nice and firm and he'll go, Oh, this feels a little weird. And then he'll come back to the circle and he'll put the belly back in that rope and he'll go, okay, this feels better. And this doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you know, just a lot of work of them kind of feeling out where it feels the best. What Carly's horse is doing, what it sounds like he's doing is he is bringing that head to the inside of the circle, which we want. We do want an inside bend, but that shoulder just continues to go um, to the outside of the circle. And it sounds like he's kind of, you know, like yielding all the way out and not really giving to the circle. So what happens in that case is um, when that shoulder just, they just keep pulling with that shoulder and I, you know, that rope is tight and they're not really going forward. They're kind of going more sideways and out is I might actually go ahead and just stop my feet completely. And I will hold until the horse will, they'll keep trying to go out with that shoulder. They can no longer do it anymore because I've stopped and I wait for eventually what happens is their hindquarters will yield to the outside of that circle and the horse will stop and face me. And I might even draw him in a step or two. I might even draw him up all the way and then pet him on the face. It seems really counterproductive because I wanted him to go forward in the circle. Why am I stopping? I want the horse to understand, don't continue to pull out, and I will exaggerate what I want to happen. I want you to stop pushing your shoulder out, and what I'd rather you do instead is kick your hindquarters to that outside of that circle just a little bit, and I exaggerate by asking him to actually yield his hindquarters all the way around till he's facing me, and then I'll draw him in, and I, I will reward him there. Like, hey, when you kind of bring your attention into that circle, and you're not trying to pull out, 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 you're going to feel better. And kind of exaggerating it a few times in the beginning will make a difference. And so I spend a few moments just kind of petting on him and saying, hey, good job. You yielded. You came You came off of the pressure of the rope. Um, great. And then I will ask him to go out again. And usually the next time or two, he'll do the same thing. He'll kind of you know, fade out, 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 out until he's kind of pulling me to the outside of the circle with him. And if he doesn't respond and kind of soften back into that circle immediately, I just stop my feet and I just kind of hold like a fence post until he yields, faces me. I'll draw him in, in a little bit. Might be a step or two. I might bring him all the way up, pet on him and say, hey, take a break. And then I'll do it again. And then what starts to happen as they go around is they start checking in on you and they realize pushing that shoulder out, oh, I just feel pressured when I do that. But coming in, um, okay, that feels a little bit better. And um, then I will start uh, kind of cutting out that stopping and starting bit. And I will start, um, once I feel them really softening up, um, 
I I will just kind of cut out that part where I actually have him completely yield all the way and stop, and I will ask him to maintain forward. So Carly's other problem is she doesn't want to keep going forward. And again, because the horse is going sideways and he feels that pressure, he wants to stop on the circle because he felt pressure, and his answer is to stop. And so then she's got to push him again, and she feels like she just kind of has to keep nagging him to go forward. Um so what I do in that case is I ask the horse for forward. If they come to a stop, I actually let them commit the mistake of stopping. And I just go, okay, well, I didn't actually want you to stop. And I just ask him to go forward again. That simple. Like I don't punish him. I'm not like, why I ought to? Because the horse is trying to leave you. So if you really get too heavy with the pressure, he's going to go, now I really want to leave. Like I'm going to pull harder. Yeah. Uh, so, good point. Yeah. That's an yeah. excellent point that the horse is trying to leave you. His, yeah. his motivation. He's doing yeah. this out of fear, but yeah. he's not really interested in coming to the inside of the circle. Um, but if I do start like saying, oh my gosh, you stepped your feet. And I know Carly's not doing this, you know, and you really up well, the pressure or get mad at On him, the other hand, as you yeah. alluded to earlier on in the show, you have to take into consideration the horse's point of view. What we perceive as, I'm not giving him any pressure. The horse might not perceive it that way. So do a little self-check. Am I inadvertently doing something to give the horse the imp- give the horse more pressure than I think I am. Try something a little different and see if it changes. Because, right, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and getting expecting a different result. If you keep repeating this process and you're not seeing any change in his behavior, maybe what you think you're doing isn't what he sees you doing or isn't really what you're doing. So do a little self-check. If you have a PIVO, use that. If you've got a friend who can hold your, your camera for two or three minutes at a time when you're having these moments where you think are key in the process, have them film that. And it might give you some really interesting insight. Yeah. And, and long story short, I could go in on this for an, another hour. Um, a circle seems easy to us, but it involves many things that we're actually asking our horse to do. I want you to go forward, but not too far forward. Don't don't run off, but I don't want you to stop, but I don't want you to pull on the rope. And you need to go forward and around, but, but too close to me, but not too far away from me. And <laughs> put your shoulder here, but not too far here. And you, need, so, you need to put yeah. this in a meme. <laughs> you really have to think about your – so in our human mind, we tend to say, I just want you to go in a circle. What's the problem? And what we're really asking for is about a thousand things. So most horse training, especially with a new concept, like go in a circle, um, you are going to work on one thing, fix that. And then you're going to sacrifice other things in the interest of working on the one thing. So the first thing I, I was thinking we should fix with this horse is to stop the shoulder from going out. And yes, we lost forward a couple of times because we did ask him to stop. But we'll work on forward here in a second. Once we realize he's he's no longer just like pulling us, you know, into the wild blue yonder. Okay, now let's go back to forward. And we'll probably sacrifice a little bit of that soft inside bend to get the forward working again. And then once the forward's working again, okay, we're going to sacrifice a little bit forward. Let's work on that shoulder again. And that's what horse training is. And you are, it's not going to be like, I need you to do 20 circles perfectly right now, which 
sometimes we, that's what we expect. That's what my brain does. And instead think, Oh my God, you gave me one circle. That's amazing. Like, yeah, (laughs) treat it like a huge win. I mean, treat it like he's won the, like he's won the Olympics and he'll go, Oh, I think I'm going to do two circles next time. Um, so yeah, instead of this nag, 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 nag to try to get your horse to go forward, because Carly is exactly right. He will start ignoring it. Um, ask him to go forward. And he's going to start probably pulling on the rope and slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, stop. And I'll go, interesting choice you made, but go forward again. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that, that is my mindset. I'm like, huh, interesting that you stopped, but hey, that's actually not what I wanted. Go forward. And that's exactly how I do it. And I will use as much pressure as it takes to get the horse to follow through and go forward. And then once he goes forward again, um, what do I do? I do nothing. I become soft on that rope. I, I stop waving whatever implement I'm using to get him to go forward. I stop clucking and I'm just like very neutral. This is what I want. This is where I tell my horse, this is where you should be. I'm quiet when you're doing this. And then he's going to go slow, 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 slow. Instead of trying to catch him when he slows down a little bit, I'm going to let him go all the way to stop. And I got, huh, interesting choice go for it again. And eventually he's going to realize like, huh, every time I stop, she just makes me go forward. So I think I'm just going to keep going. And let's say you couldn't get one half a circle out of your horse. And he finally goes forward and around pretty nice for one circle. Stop, stop, draw him towards you, pet on him, love on him, give him a cookie and say, that's what I wanted. Let him have a break. And then say, okay, can you do another circle? Or Or so many times. In the case of, in the case of me, Stop for the day. <laughs> yeah, put them away. <laughs> I've had horses where that was a freaking miracle. And I'm like, I'm going to put you, go go out with your buddies and have fun because it's not going to get any better than that. And so, um, you know, and then next time try to get a circle and a couple of steps. And, you know, but so many times we take that, that for that horse, that was a big effort. And he's like, look, I did the circle. And I'm like, great. Now I need 37 more. <laughs> and so he'll just go, Ugh, no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bother? I thought I had the right anything. answer. And from my point of view, that's no longer the right answer because exactly. I had to do something that I find really difficult many, many times in a row. It's like when you have a young person who struggles with their math homework. They finally get the math homework. And they do it. The last thing you do is go, okay, tonight we're going to do twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going no. to the gym? You, you, yeah. You, you know, you no, you did it two nights in a row. Let's have Pop-Tarts. <laughs> yeah. Well, once again, fascinating insight and great training tips from Mary Kitzmiller. For people who want to appropriately stalk you online, contact you about doing clinics, ask you about training um, a horse for them or with them, how do they do that? You can find me online at my website, marykitzmiller.com. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, Mary Kitzmiller Horsemanship. Um, and I also want to do a quick plug. I hope you don't mind. I will be in the Mustang Magic Competition at the Fort Worth Stock Show in January in Yay! Fort Worth, Texas. 
It's January 21st and 22nd. There's two competitions. I'm in the one on the 21st called the Rising Stars. Um, the tickets have gone on sale. You can go to the Fort Worth Stock Show website and purchase your tickets. And there's even a VIP experience available that includes a private reception and hors d'oeuvres and live country music, exclusive meet and greet with the trainers and their Mustangs, rodeos, souvenirs, balcony seating. Um and uh, I've got the information for that. Um, uh, the contact for that is Meredith McGrath. Her number is 817-877-2546. Uh, so I hope I hope I run into some auditors there. That would be so cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll do go over to the auditor's Facebook page and post a link to that, to the stock show. I will. Because yes. I'm sure we have auditors from that part of the countryside who would love to take a break from family obligations and hang out at the stock show with you. Oh, and the stock show is so much fun. There's so many cool things there. There we go. And we'll see you next month, Mary. All right.